everybody welcome to the podcast welcome to part two of the fall of humanity and in this episode we are discussing about what happened after adam and eve ate the fruit now in the last part we studied about what the serpent said to eve and how eve disobeyed god and ate of the fruit and how that changed history we also studied about how Eve gave the fruit to her husband Adam and Adam made a very conscious choice did not trust God made a very conscious choice on choosing death over immortality and we are going to study about what happened after they made this dreadful decision before we actually get into verse 8 let's just pause for a short prayer dear Jesus thank you for this wonderful sabbath day that you had given to us Thank you for protecting us and guarding us throughout the nights and leading us in your way. Dear Lord, I ask your spirit to be here as we discuss this important chapter in the Bible. I also pray for every listener listening to this podcast right now. Please listen to their prayers and reveal yourself as a God of comfort to them. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Okay, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 8, and let's see what the Bible is trying to teach us. Genesis, chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, in part 1, we studied that they ate the fruit and their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked. So they started to sow fig leaves together and tried to replace God's apron of innocence with their own fig leaves apron. And now we see that God came to Adam and Eve to worship or have a good time and talk to them or spend time with them as he did every evening. But Adam and Eve are not where they are supposed to be. Adam and Eve did not welcome God. Rather, Adam and Eve were hiding from God. Now, why were they hiding from God? Let's answer this question. Why were Adam and Eve hiding from God? Adam and Eve were hiding from God because of their guilt. Because now they were not so perfect. They were not immortal. They were mortal and they had lost that connection with God and because of that guilt they were hiding from God because like I told you in Genesis 1 and 2 sin and God cannot coexist and that is why they were hiding because their sin wasn't letting them go to God and talk to him like they always did every evening now verse 8 basically tells us that this God coming down to Adam and Eve to talk to them and spend time with them in the evening was not just a one-day thing. God did this every day. It was like a periodic thing. And now we see that they did not welcome God. Let's go to verse 9, 10, and 11. Verse 9 says, Then Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, you should not eat? Now God came down from heaven to Adam and Eve just to meet them, to spend time with them and to talk to them. But Adam and Eve had already made their own choices. We see that as soon as they ate the fruit, they had become their own gods. They started to make own choices like 
making clothes out of fig leaves and not trusting God anymore. Verse 12, this is where the blame game starts. Verse 12 says, then the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Okay, so if we closely look into this verse, Adam is not blaming the woman. Adam is blaming God for their sin. He's saying, if you wouldn't have given, if you wouldn't have made this woman, then I wouldn't have sinned. So all of this sin problem is actually your doing and not my doing. Verse 13, then God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Okay, so in these two verses, if you read it just once, you would feel like Adam and Eve were blaming the serpent or let's say Eve was blaming the serpent and Adam was blaming Eve. But if we look very closely into these two verses, we see that Eve and Adam, they're not blaming, Adam is not blaming Eve or Eve is not blaming the serpent, but both of them are actually blaming God because Adam said, you made this woman and this woman gave me the fruit, so it's your problem. And then Eve said, the serpent that you made, because the serpent was actually a beautiful creature made by God. So according to Eve, it was God who made the serpent and because you made the serpent, so this all problem of sin is your doing and not my doing. And that is when God turned to the serpent and he cursed the serpent in verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now, as I read Genesis chapter 3 for the first time, I remember that I thought there were only three curses. So one to the serpent, one to Eve, one regarding Eve, and one regarding Adam. But now that I read more closely, these are actually four curses. One to the serpent, one to the devil, one to Eve, and one to Adam. And the first curse that was pronounced is to the serpent. But the thing with sin is, it just doesn't stop at the serpent. This curse, this sin affects all cattle, all flowers, all trees, and even man. The curse on the serpent was somewhat like this. Many theologists believe that the serpent was a winged, most clever and most beautiful creature in the Garden of Eden. And because he had made this choice of giving, of being this medium through which the devil could deceive humanity, God took away his wings, God took away his hands and legs, and God took away his ability to speak and to make choices. The Bible says, dust thou shalt eat. When I read this verse for the first time, I thought God was telling the serpent that whenever you open your mouth, you would eat dust. Well, if you look at it, from a certain point, yeah, that could be the truth. But after reading a lot of books about this and also referring to E.G. White and also reading the Bible and also other pastors, they've said that eating the dust was something very literal and not so very literal. So if we take it literally, then yes, the serpent would eat dust because it crawls on the ground and dust would enter its mouth. But if we think about it, the serpent doesn't actually eat dust. 
none of the animals eat dust. So many old scholars or many old theologians believe that dust thou shalt eat actually means that you will be cursed above all of the animals because you have given your body to the devil to be used as a medium to deceive humanity. Let's go to verse 15 because verse 15 talks about the curse on the devil. Verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Very confusing at first, but this verse is actually very literal and also very not so literal. And by this verse we see that God was the first person or the first being who prophesied. This was a prophecy about Jesus. And it is also true literally because if you see a snake or if you if a snake has entered your house, the first thing you would do is crush the head of the snake. And the first thing that the snake would do is attack your heel. But the thing is, if you crush the head of a snake, that would be of a larger um, damage than biting or inserting its fangs into your heel. Do you get my point? So what the Bible is trying to tell you that yes, the serpent or, or the serpent would actually attack you or the serpent would actually biting your heel or bruising your heel. Now here the serpent is regarded to Satan. So this prophecy means that there would be a seed from the woman who would crush the head of Satan. Now what does crushing the head of Satan actually mean? Crushing the head of Satan means crushing death. Now head is the portion of the body where you make all of your decisions, your thinking capabilities, your what you want to do and what you don't want to do is all based on what you think in your mind. Likewise, the main part or the main thing the devil has placed upon this world is death. Death is what entered through sin into this perfect world which was created by God. And crushing the head of the devil means crushing death. And we see in the book of Matthew that Jesus actually crushed death and was victorious over death. So this is actually talking about Jesus coming and being victorious over death and over Satan. Verse 16, And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. You shall desire your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Very strong words. What does this actually mean? Verse 16, I have written it down in my diary as multiplying thy sorrow. Before we actually get into verse 16, just to clarify some points. Adam was the ruler of the Garden of Eden. And now Adam was a slave of sin. Now, before God pronounced the curses relating to Eve and Adam, God actually gave them a bit of hope that the woman's seed would crush the serpent's head. So Adam and Eve were actually a little bit hopeful and a little bit happy that 
Okay, we have lost this relationship with God, but the woman's seed would restore that relationship with God. Okay, verse 16, multiply thy sorrow. If we go back into chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis, when God made Adam and Eve, God said, be fruitful and multiply. So this only tells us that conception or birth was a blessing and not a curse. But by the entry of sin, it would be accompanied by immense pain. This pain is so intense that in scriptures, it is a symbol for the most severe anguish of the mind and the body. The last part of the curse is a rather very interesting one. The Bible says, and he shall rule over you. What is the Bible trying to tell us? The Bible is telling us through this verse that Adam and Eve were created equal when they were created by God. So man and woman were created very equal and they were created as helpers for each other. But by the entry of sin, that equality was lost. Let's get into verse 17. This is the curse regarding Adam. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you should not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, in toil you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you should eat herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Very scary lines. What is God trying to tell Adam? This is actually a very indirect curse. So God isn't cursing Adam directly, but God is actually cursing Adam indirectly. Same with the woman. He's not cursing Eve, but cursing Eve indirectly. Adam, the word Adam literally means the man. In verse 17, God tells Adam, why am I cursing you? God answers this question and says, because you have not trusted me, because you have not put your trust in me and you have put your trust into your wife or into the woman, that is why I am pronouncing this curse. And because you think that you are so powerful now that you are independent from God, that is why I am pronouncing this curse on you. Adam did not actually understand what had happened because Adam thought that separating from God is not a big deal. It's just, just separation, you know? But Adam did not realize this, that separation from God was separation from the source of life, which means that now Adam and Eve were meant to die. God curses the ground and says, sorrow you shall eat, which basically tells us that Adam had to work really, really hard to produce a good crop and the ground would not be a friend of Adam from now on. Verse 18 tells us about thorns and thistles. Before the fall or prior to the fall, plants or flowers were used as food or beauty. And now because of the entry of sin, they would grow thorns and sin affected nature. Like I said to you, sin did not just stop with the serpent or with did not just stop with Adam and Eve, but it affected the garden, it affected the trees, the leaves started to fall, the flowers started to wither, and animals started to hurt each other, they started to kill each other. 
So the sin, the entry of sin had affected not just Adam, Eve and the serpent, but the whole garden. Now God talks about this really scary thing in verse 19 and God says, In the sweat of thy face you shall eat. This is like a blessing in disguise because I have noticed it for myself. If I am working hard and if I am busy the whole day, I am less likely to sin. I am less likely to do something which is not right. But if I am spending my day in idleness, then I am more likely to sin. So this is like a blessing in disguise. God is telling Adam that you would have to work really hard all day indirectly telling Adam that I would protect you from sinning. Verse 19, God also pronounces this really harsh curse. He says, you shall return to the ground because you were made from the ground and you will return to it. So it goes like this. Man was formed from the ground and then man was given immortality, but he chose death. And now because he chose death, he would return to the ground. Verse 20, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Verse 21, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Verse 22, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. Verse 24. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword was turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And that is how chapter 3 ends. Adam calls his wife Eve, which means life, or the mother of all living. Adam also called Eve life because of the prophecy that God had made about the seed and crushing of the serpent's head and Adam thought that I am calling her life because through her would a savior come who would crush the head of the serpent. And as we get into chapter 4 in the next episode we see that Adam and Eve were blessed with a son called Cain. He was the seed of the woman but was he the savior? We'll see that in the next chapter. Verse 21, Coats of Skin. God made them coats of skin, telling them that death was the wages of sin and that sacrifice was very important for the forgiveness of sin. This was also telling us about Jesus' death on the cross for us. Verse 22. Man had now learned the difference between good and evil by disobedience, whereas God would have intended him to gain this knowledge through voluntary cooperation with the divine will. But Adam and Eve had taken this wrong way of knowing what the serpent was telling them and thinking that the serpent was actually telling them the truth while the serpent was just telling them half of the truth and lying to them. But if God is all powerful, he could just snap his finger and man could be perfect again, right? So why did God drive them out of the Garden of Eden? Well, the thing was, sin could not just vanish like this, because sin could just be overcome with the death of a perfect sacrifice. And we would study about that in the future. 
So why did God actually drive Adam and Eve out of the garden? Because man was now a sinner. And if man ate from the tree of life, man would be immortal. And if man was immortal, sin would also be immortal. And the plan of salvation would go down the drain. That is why God drove man out of the Garden of Eden. Also because sin and God cannot coexist. Verse 24. The Bible tells us that God placed a cherubim. Now what is a cherubim? Cherubim is the angel which is the closest to God. God placed this cherubim to guard the entry of the Garden of Eden and guard the tree of life that because man was now sinful and his ways were sinful and man could try to get back in and try to eat from the tree of life. That is why God placed this mighty angel to guard the way to the tree of life. There was also a sword which would turn every way, protecting the way to the tree of life. Interesting, isn't it? We're just in the chapter 3 of the book of Genesis and the story is jumbled up. Man was perfect, man was created immortal, man chose death, man is now mortal and is on the path to destruction. But as we studied in the curse part of the chapter, God made the small prophecy that through the woman's seed, life would be restored to humanity. That this relationship of God and human, which was broken, would be restored. And I also said that Adam and Eve were blessed with a baby boy, Cain. He was the seed of the woman, but was he the promised savior? We'll see. Till then, keep reading your Bible. I've given you the keys. Go in and unlock your Bible.